Well, my friends, what a joy to be with you tonight um, to can celebrate this Holy Mass with Father John uh, and to be able to reflect a little on our Gospel readings. Uh, I'm going to each of the four parishes uh, of our families that will be coming together in the future and um, being able to be at the Masses and meet all the people uh, and to, to um, preach at each of the Masses as well. And uh, the readings we have are actually very helpful in the series that we have these weeks to help us understand and uh, look with a spiritual vision into what's going to be happening in our parishes in um, a few months and then going on down the road. What we see between the first uh, reading and the gospel are kind of two sides of a coin that are, are both wrong. Uh, they both have, um, they could be wrong attitudes about what, um, about the church. And if we apply them to our situation, these are two, the two opposite extremes. Uh, the first is what our Lord talks about with the scribes, that they like their self-importance. They are important. They go about in long robes. Now, I'm wearing multiple long robes, so I always get a little nervous reading this gospel because I'm wearing multiple long robes right now. But they go about in their long robes, and they like the honor. They like the prestige of the whole thing. They are important, and they want people to know it. And that, that can be a hidden temptation, or in some cases an explicit temptation, for how we consider the church and our church, our parishes, how we consider the role of the church, that we want honor, we want to be important, we want social prestige, and particularly, we want a lot of churches and we want them to be, this is, this is our kind of stamp, we made it. And that this is the story of, of uh, a lot of the growth of the Catholic Church in the United States, that we made it. We have gigantic churches. We have a lot of them on every corner, and we made it as Catholics. And now, if we're honest, many of us, uh, in a way, can be holding on to that cultural honor. The flip side is uh, the widow that we hear about in the first reading, who is an icon of despair, that there is a drought in the land, they have no food, and so she says, I mean, this is, this is, a, um, this is it. She, is, she has despair. What am I going to do? Well, I, we just have a little bit of flour and oil left, so I'm just going to make our last meal, and my son and I are going to eat it, and then we're going to die, because there's no help coming. There's nothing to do going forward. We are just going to provide for ourselves uh, with the last of our resources, and then we'll die. And that that is despair. And again, I worry on the flip side, there's the one side wanting the social honor, but on the flip side, there's an interior temptation toward a real despair. Where what are we going to do in the church? Where people are leaving the church in record numbers, or have left the church in record numbers, and where the rising number of people who identify as having no religion is, is higher than ever before. And so, unfortunately, in a type of despair, 
the thought could creep in, well, what are we going to do? We'll provide for ourselves as best we can until the money runs out, and then we'll die. We'll lock the doors on the way out, and that'll be it. That there's no future. How do we get people back into church? There's no future. So we're just going to provide for ourselves however we can uh, until the end. Those are both wrong attitudes. And what we need is what our gospel and the reading and Elijah's encouragement um, teaches us. That we have to first acknowledge our poverty. That we really have to acknowledge where we are. Uh, We have to acknowledge that we have need. That's how we avoid the error of the scribes. We have need. We don't have it all together. The church has need. The spread of the gospel, there's need. We need God. Only God can save us. Only God can make this work. We need God. We are not okay all on our own. We don't have it all figured out. We need God. He's the one who will act. We need to, each of us, be willing to acknowledge our poverty. That we don't have, with the, all the worldly success, um, we need God. And that worldly, the church just thriving on a cultural Catholicism isn't going to cut it anymore. We need to acknowledge our poverty. But then from that poverty, we give. And that's the image of the widow in both the first reading and then the widow in the gospel. That even when we acknowledge our poverty, we're willing to give. We're willing to give all that we have. We're willing to even to, to make sacrifices. The widow in the first reading, she gives, okay, you know, she gives this line of despair. We're going to just make for ourselves, eat the last of our food, and then we're going to die. And Elijah says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In our churches that are going to be coming together, I, I have the sense that there's a lot of fear. We're afraid. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to my parish? What's going what's to happen to my priest? What's going to happen to my friend Father John? I'm going to miss having Father John as a next-door neighbor unless he ends up being in one of the next-door parishes, at which point Father John's still my neighbor. What's going to happen to my friend Father John? Our pa- we don't know. There's afraid. We're, we're afraid. Uh, and we could be afraid what's going to happen to our schedules, what's going to happen to our buildings. We're going to talk about it more at the, at the town hall listening session tomorrow, but we're not going to be able to keep all of our buildings. We've got a lot of buildings. What's going to happen to our buildings? We're afraid. And we need to hear the words of the Holy Spirit inspired in Elijah that are meant for us tonight. We just celebrated a couple weeks ago uh, the Feast of St. John Paul II. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. No matter what we, whatever challenges we think we're facing, do not be afraid. But go. Make me a little cake first. Bring it to me. Give that offering. Even what little you have, we give it to God. Whatever little we may have, whatever, however much there's people, whatever we have, we give it entirely to God. The widow in the gospel, she had only these two small coins. And she gave everything. She gave everything that she had. She made a real sacrifice. Each of our four communities, seven churches, each of us is going to be called in some way 
in the coming months and maybe years to make some kind of sacrifices. Every single one of us is going to have to make some kind of sacrifice. And that we have to not be afraid to do it. We have to be willing to even make those small or large sacrifices. Trusting that if we give everything over into the hands of the Lord, He sustains us. God will sustain us. He will continue to provide for us. He will bless us. And He will be there for us the whole way. Also, I think something that could be a fear. You know, this widow, she went and she put her two small little coins. And Jesus knows that that's all she has. He's God. He knows everything. That's all she has. I think some of us are afraid and can be afraid that our sacrifices are going to go completely unnoticed. Maybe we've made sacrifices to, um, you know, the, the upkeep and the building of our, of our church buildings. Maybe we've made sacrifices for our schedules. Maybe we've made sacrifices and a lot of parents making real sacrifices for their children to receive a religious and Catholic education and now their, their children are, are no longer actively practicing the faith and these sacrifices seemingly go unnoticed. No one knows. It's again a particular fear that when a pastor leaves a parish, all the sacrifices that we've made that he knows as our father. He's seen our sacrifices and he's been there. And that all of that cultural memory disappears. And I'll be very honest, I don't know. Father John would have to spend the next couple of years telling me all the, thing, all the good that's happened here for me to be even just brought up to speed. The goodness he's witnessed every single day. I'll take time trying to learn the best I can. Um, but we fear that those sacrifices we've made are going to be forgotten. They'll go unnoticed. But notice in the gospel, Jesus notices. He pays attention. He sees. He knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows, what we, he knows that we love him. And so he sees. And he blesses us. Nothing ever goes unnoticed under the sight of God. Here's a final point that I, I heard a homily about this like 20 years ago or so, or 15 years ago, um, and it stuck with me. That Jesus is watching this poor widow, this widow that uh, gave all that she had. Now, context-wise, in the gospel, we are already in Holy Week, right? We're already in Holy Week. Um, this is chapter 12 of Mark's gospel, and I think the Passion starts in chapter 13. So we're already in Holy Week. What widow do we know is in Jerusalem during Holy Week because she makes an appearance just a few days later? Our Lady, our Mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. How possible is it that the one that Jesus points to in the temple, telling his apostles, look at her, see how she gives everything, that the poor widow that Jesus points to in this gospel actually very well may be Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary, who gives the two coins of her virginity and her motherhood. She gives all that she has. And so we should ask our mother to teach us how to give all that we have. In the coming weeks and months and years, we ask Mary to keep teaching us how to give everything, how to give generously, so that we can have hope for the future of our church, the future of our parishes, and that under her maternal protection, the faith will continue to spread 
in our city and then from here to the entire world.